So we're talking about the justifying grace of God, Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So our topic, the grace of God, and our beginning with grace in our experiences, we're saved by grace. We stand in grace. And so uh, the subject of grace, it's really early on in these verses. Right now, we're going to be talking about justifying grace, grace for salvation, grace for standing before a holy, righteous God for by people like like us, like you and me, who innately, inherently, essentially, on our own, are really unholy and unrighteous. Just the way I uh, lived my life before Christ, I can attest to that. And how could somebody like me, unholy, unrighteous, somebody like us, um, fallen short of the glory of God, the standards, and how can we stand before God and be accepted? How can we be right before God in a right relationship with this holy, righteous, perfect, loving God? It's by grace. We've been justified by faith. Justified. I love that uh, little thought, just as if I'd never sinned or uh, declared not guilty because it's a judicial term, a term a judge would use. And in our case, in my case, the God, uh, God is the judge and uh, he's holy and our problem's simple. We're not. And we need uh, we need to know him and we need to be able to approach him and relate to him and be in a relationship with him and stand before him and be accepted by him and be brought into his family. We're justified by faith. And therefore the result, it says in Romans chapter five, we have peace with God. We are no longer his en enemies. We're no longer at enmity, no longer at war with him, no longer alienated from him, but peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, through Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, this justifying grace. And so that begins a relationship with God. His grace is phenomenal. As you study it in the scripture, the only way to approach God is to be justified by grace. No other way to be declared not guilty. I can't earn that. I can't make it happen and manufacture it. I can't buy it or pay for it. Uh, it has to be a gift of pure grace. Romans chapter 3, move there. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 24. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, and so the law was given to the Jews initially, but as this verse goes on, and I've done a study through Romans um, not too long ago, and I remember how this just ju jumped off the page at me, that it's not just uh, for the Jewish people. And it says here, if you go on in the context that every mouth, every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. 
So everyone has a law. The Jews were given it in stone and then in writing. But Romans says, and it even in chapter two, it declares that the law is written on the conscience of men. And by it, people either excuse or accuse um, one another what they're doing. And so uh, Romans chapter three, verse 19 uh, in that sense, everyone, all of us are under the law. That's where we start out because every mouth is stopped and all the world is guilty before God. So the law still does that. It stops mouths. It makes us accountable to God. And it's, in other words, imagine standing before God. If somebody stood before God and uh, and he says, I have... Uh, I have two things for you. Here's your life history, your character, your performance. Here's my law of what is right and wrong. Now, what do you have to say for yourself? I mean, it's like you say, well, I can't, I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> what could you say? Case closed. I'm guilty. I'm condemned. I fell, fell short of that perfect, holy standard. So what this is saying is that the law stops every mouth. No one has a defense. I have no defense. I can't say Mom and dad made me like this. Uh, the devil made me do it. The law, it is, convicts us, stops our mouths. All the world becomes guilty and accountable before God. So we have to begin with the law of God. Every time you talk about grace, we got to step all the way back and look at the law of God because grace becomes all that much more glorious and beautiful and wonderful and, and awesome <laughs> because the law just is uh shuts our mouth and holds us accountable and we become guilty so if it isn't for grace we're stuck so therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh shall be justified in his sight the deeds of the law by working our hardest to live up to the law and that's i think where many of us uh fall short and this is where i get you know, when I listen to a message, uh, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, a YouTube video, whether it's a a live conference, uh, whether it's a, a a pastor teaching on the radio, wherever I might hear a message, I kind of contrast, is this the law? Am I uh, being exhorted to work hard to live up to the law of God? And I realize no flesh, no one in the family of humanity will be justified in his sight by the law. There's no way that I can live up and try to live up to the law of God. And God is going to say, okay, uh, that's, that's so good. I'm going to, I'm going to give you justification. I'm going to declare you not guilty. No one can do that. It's impossible. And so the law will make us accountable to God. And so that's what I love about pastors and teachers that will talk about what is right and holy and the uh, the things of the law that uh, that need to be expounded upon. But then always, always give the remedy, give the resource, talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about the grace of God that's available to transform us and cause us to walk in the law. Now, the law has a purpose. The law has a, a great purpose. Romans 3.20 says, For by the law, 
is a knowledge of sin. So the law, I can't live up to the law because the law does not provide the power, the resource to do what it says to do. Um, but the law of God, I get to know that, okay, this is sin. Uh, everybody has a sense of conviction and a failure, sense of failure before God. Even if I want to try to cover it up or or, or get some sort of uh, therapy to excuse it or or shift the blame to somebody else. But it's the law of God that gives us the knowledge of sin. People around us say, you know, what is sin? Well, the law of God reveals that. How we It is really how we know what is acceptable or unacceptable to the Lord. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, now 21 continues, it says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And if if all we had um, was the ability to get to God or access God's righteousness through the law, just revealed in the law, uh, if that's all we had, okay, here it is. Now live up to it. I mean, we would be dead, spiritually speaking. Uh, there would be no way. There would be no hope. There would be no, because there's no provision, no remedy. Because all the law does is it says, be holy. It's it's a measurement. Now, uh, I'm a kind of a craftsman kind of a person. I, uh, I was a mechanic growing up. Uh, I went to college to become an aircraft mechanic. And God called me out of that into ministry, full-time vocational pastoral ministry. And so I know a lot about measurements and using everything from uh, a micrometer to a ruler. And you use a lot of um, tools to measure temperature, to measure uh, width, depth, length, you know, things like that, you know, weight, and so forth. Well, the law kind of is like that. It just measures something. And and it and it and then you compare that against a standard. So when I measure um something is supposed to be at, you know with my multimeter, something's supposed to be at a certain ohm reading, and if that is not correct, I know that I have a a short or a problem in the item that I'm working on, the project that I'm working on. And similarly, and so that's kind of how I, I relate to it. Maybe you relate to it in a different way. Maybe if you're, you know, if you're, uh, if you're cooking something and I do cook as well, and you use a, uh, something to measure uh, ingredients with. And if you have a, in a measuring cup and you pour it in there and you run out of uh, your your cream or your milk or whatever it is that you're pouring in and you say, ah, it falls short. That's kind of what the law is. You know, the law, you know, you wouldn't know. You can't just splash the milk in there without, um, without measuring it because then your recipe doesn't turn out proper. And so that's kind of what the law is. It just makes us accountable. It kind of is how we measure up. And that's really what I'm trying to uh, uh, trying to explain or describe, that the law is simply a measurement. It shows us our guilt. But see, here's what it has. No power to, to make us change. Um, the law does not make one 
righteous in God's sight. It just demands we live righteously and we can't do it. But now the righteousness of God, listen, apart from the law of God is revealed being witnessed in the law and the prophets. Uh, The same righteousness the law and the prophets spoke of when they said, you know, thou shall and thou shalt not. But now it is revealed apart from the law. The righteous is revealed. It's available to man. It comes through a different way than the law. Then righteousness apart from the law is now revealed. Verse 22 in Romans chapter 3, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So verse 22, it tells us it comes through Jesus Christ. It's righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to move from here. We're going to begin talking about um, how grace fits into this in a moment. Be right back. So let me read Romans, um, Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 24. And I wanted to just kind of get a little bit of the context of what we've just been looking at. Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 24 says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for the law is knowledge of sin. And so that's basically the law, again, that measurement. And also, it it just reveals, I fall short, you fall short. Now, the righteousness of, the, of God apart from the law is revealed. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law, that the law didn't have the power or the resource to give us righteousness or right standing before God. But it's now revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even, verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So verse 24 just clarifies, it's by grace that we're justified, being justified by grace, because the law demands righteous living, but it does not produce righteousness. Now let's move and take this a little further and let's go to Hebrews Because Hebrews uh, chapter 7, give me a second to turn there, and I'll give you a second to turn there. Hebrews chapter 7 proves this, or clarifies this, or adds to this, or comments on this, or, or validates that the law makes nothing perfect. So we're in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, and it says this, For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. So the law, it demands perfection. 
again, like a measuring, a tape measure, um, a measuring cup. It measures the presence or absence of something. You know, you you put in a measuring cup, you know, for example, I, I eat a lot of oatmeal for breakfast and I always <laughs> measure the water in the oatmeal because I like my oatmeal done right. It's just the way it is. And so I measure the, the oatmeal in a measuring cup, it's these glass Pyrex measuring cups, and I measure the water and I pour it in and I boil it and it's always perfect. And so, you know, the if I'm out of oatmeal, the measuring cup describes, declares there's an absence. It's something's not completely there. And I guess I'm trying to describe the law. There's nothing I could have done to that. The measuring cup could not produce more oatmeal. It couldn't just say zap. Oh, you, you fall short by one cup. Uh, now the measuring cup is going to then produce more oatmeal. It just can't happen. It doesn't happen. The law cannot produce or make anything perfect, it says there in Hebrews uh, chapter 7, verse 19. The law made nothing perfect. It just doesn't have, it has a weakness to it. That's what the weakness of the law is, holy, right, just, it's good. But it has a weakness in that it cannot do what it's asking to do. It measures the presence or the absence of something. Um, it measures the growth, but it doesn't produce growth. It just measures it. It's the standard. But praise God, we have the righteousness of God proclaimed, declared to us, offering to us more than the law. It's faith in Jesus Christ. That's how it's offered. Through faith in Jesus Christ to, uh, to all and on all who believe, uh, we have a remedy, a resource, a, a power to live up to or to increasingly measure up to uh, the beauty of God's holiness. The law says be holy. The law says be righteous. The, the law says be perfect. Be like God. And faith in Jesus Christ forgives that unrighteousness, that unholiness, and brings to our account the righteousness of Christ. And then we also have, we have access to his righteousness. So that's what grace is. Everyone has to, there's no other way around it. We have to approach God the same way. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've all fell short. We, we None of us measure up. And God measures lives by uh, the law. And we don't measure ourselves by comparing to one another and not by self-improvement. <laughs> you know, not that, oh, okay, I'm doing better than 90% of the people out there. Well, it doesn't qualify to reach the standard, the holiness of God. The measurement is the law of God, the holy standard of God. His character is revealed. And so how do you, how do you measure up if you stood as tall as you could, stood morally, spiritually, righteously to the measuring rod or to the um, uh, to the standard of God's holy character, it's infinite. It's out of sight. How do you measure up? I, I mean, I don't even waste my time because we have all sinned. And we just read that in Romans chapter three, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We do not measure up. The conclusion is we just period. We just don't measure up there. End of memo. 
we fall short of the glory of God. So that's what the law is teaching. Galatians 4.21 says it. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear what the law says? Uh, don't you hear it? Don't you get it? There's no way. But Romans 3.22 says, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Back to Romans chapter 3. When we came to God, as in verse 22, through faith in Jesus Christ, we became those described in Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace. You have to be justified by God to stand before a righteous, holy God. It's being declared not guilty. Justification. You're justified. You're not guilty as though you never did it. You're innocent in the sight of God. And how do you get that verdict from that judge, from the holy, perfect judge, God himself? It has to be freely by his grace. There, you know, there was a debt we owed and it didn't cost us anything. Jesus paid that debt he did not owe. It cost him everything free to us, costly to him, justified freely by his grace, undeserved kindness, forgiveness, and then those resources of righteousness to draw on. So we've been justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hey, so in our next section, I'm going to introduce a special guest. His name is Pastor Steve Greenberg, and he's with the, the Blue Letter Bible. Him and I are great friends, and we've gone back some years, and this has been an important topic in our lives. We've taught this course, oh, 20 years ago, this course called Growing in the Grace of God, and him and I did this at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa at the uh, Bible College Extension Campus there at the Costa Mesa campus. And um, anyway, I thought, hey, Steve, let's chat a bit about Ephesians chapter one, the justifying grace, the ocean of grace that's available for growing. And so anyway, I'd like to have you listen in. Let's welcome uh, Pastor Steve Greenberg, and he's from the Blue Letter Bible. And and so we've got a few verses we'd like to cover uh, today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We'll look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, Ephesians 2, 7 and 8. And then we'll look at, uh, we'll conclude with Romans uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. So let's begin uh, turning to Ephesians 1, 7. And that speaks of... Grace for forgiveness or grace for justification. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so we have uh, forgiveness and forgiving grace and justifying grace. It's the first thing that we uh, uh, taste of God's grace through his blood, the shed blood, paid the price, brought us to God, and defined here as the forgiveness of sins. And so when we're first saved, I always equated forgiveness with grace because of this. And it's great, and it's grand, and, uh, you know, but in the church, like you said at the beginning, um, if you hear what people say, if you go to church— and you listen about grace, even the song Amazing Grace, uh, 
forgiveness is typically uh, what people use to explain grace. And they use forgiveness and grace interchangeably. And most people make those words equal. And like you, like me, we both did that for years before I realized forgiveness and grace are not equal, that there's more to it. You know, when people talk about grace, I'd say, yeah, forgiveness, that's wonderful. But um, the, there's, a, there's more to it than that. But it is how we started out being saved. So I want to first uh, take a moment to talk about uh, that part of grace, the first taste of grace. Remember that day? Wasn't that awesome how beautiful it was to be forgiven by grace? In other words, there was nothing I could have done to earn or deserve God's grace. No, it was all through the work of the cross. It's all through what Jesus Christ did. And it was a, a one-time event. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was the first uh, moment, but that one-time event, you know, a lot of times we talk about grace as though they, uh, it equals forgiveness, but there's so much, much more available. One is um, greater than the other. Forgiveness is great. But grace is greater. And uh, when, you know, when you look at forgiveness and grace, what is the greater of the two? It's grace. They're both great. One is just greater. Forgiveness, our first, my first personal taste of the grace of God. And uh, first time I enjoyed grace or received grace. Lord, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Um, and I need... I need you to uh, call me not guilty by grace, and we're forgiven by grace. So, I mean, I don't diminish the the wonderful moment of forgiveness. It's by grace, but uh, it's more yeah, than that. Yeah, in Ephesians 2.5, it says, even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I love that. It's all about grace, right? It's all about his grace. It's nothing that can be added, nothing to be taken away. It's about his grace, how we got saved. It's his grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all about what Christ did on the cross to save a sinner like Jeff and I and anyone out there that would believe and trust in the grace of God that has been provided. And I notice here in verse 7, what verse we're talking about, it talks about the exceeding riches of his grace. Because I didn't see that, and that's what we'll be getting into. It's the, what Jeff's alluding to. It's, it's, there's a big package of grace that's available. It's like the, the, uh, the drops in the ocean, how big it is. It's so huge as we look into the, into the arena of grace that God can provide. And one aspect of that, one dimension of that is the grace that saves us. But as we're going to get on, and what's critical is to know that, of course, that's the first step. That's, that's the most important step. But then the second step is to grow. And if, uh, uh, 2 Peter 3, 18 tells us to grow in grace and knowledge. And so we see, wow, grace is more than just forgiveness and just salvation and just justification. It's 
it's a thorough sanctification process that involves our growth, the whole aspect of our life. And what happens if you don't understand that grace is more than forgiveness, then you're going to take on that active life like the Galatians did and start trying to work out your salvation, trying to work out that sanctification, trying to work out your growth by your own means. And it's, it's a dead end. It's, it's empty. It has a, there's no growth that can happen from our own uh, ability and, and works. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, I think that's very awesome. I think that you and I go back uh, we go back uh, many years. Remember meeting in Twin Peaks, and uh, you know, in learning of grace, uh, you know, under Pastor Chuck Smith, grace changes everything, and kind of growing in that, trying to understand that, trying to grasp that, trying to uh, learn that as as newer believers, and then and then especially, uh, you know, Bob Hoekstra who really expounded grace for growing, growing in grace. It was an entire course that uh, you and I probably took that course three or four or five times together. And uh, then we went off and taught it, uh, you know, kind of where uh, Bob kind of passed the baton for you and I to the Costa Mesa Extension Campus. Actually, a person in our class right now, Steve, that uh, – that, that I that I'm teaching here with Calvary Chapel University was a gal that uh, was uh, in our courses way back in uh, those days in in uh, Costa Mesa. So we've come and walked Grace for twenty plus years as friends together, and it's just exploded in our heart it's something that you like you said you talked about that grace is like an ocean and and that forgiveness is like dipping a thimble worth of that ocean of grace and splashing it on us and being refreshed but there's a whole ocean left to walk in grow in expand in learn about and it's unending unfathomable and uh so a little bit about your and my history i just wanted to i want to throw that out there as a a, a thing that you know you don't start out uh, knowing grace uh, as extensively as we will i mean the bible teaches we'll yeah, learn of it amazing? all through eternity and uh yeah, so we want to walk through the scriptures and help people to go from the salvation, the justification uh, process, and then then go to growth and how growth actually happens. Yeah, and uh, to just read that verse one more time, Ephesians chapter two, verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. It's the riches of his grace and it's in the ages to come. And we're going to be, that's going to be unfolding and it's unfolded in, in our lives and in many people listening in their lives uh, over a lifetime, but right on into the ages to come, 
the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so I love that phrase that grace is so exceedingly rich that although forgiving grace is abundant and wonderful to be declared not guilty and it's out of or according to those riches of grace, the justifying grace, but it no way exhausts God's grace toward us. And then jumping down to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul said to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, uh, you know, kind of that humble declaration from this humble servant of God, uh, Paul, he didn't put himself in some lofty, self-exalting position. He said that the this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. So even translated unsearchable. Uh, you could search and search and search and never come to the end of it. That's unfathom, unfathomable. You can never measure it, reach the end of it. Uh, you know, coming back to the ocean, and I know you're over there in Orange County, uh, Steve, next to the Pacific Ocean. I'm up here in the mountains, kind of far away. But the ocean, a fathom, six feet depth of measurement. But the riches of God's grace, you can't fathom it. It's unfathom, unfathomable. And, and uh, you, the measure and measure and measure, you can measure and measure and keep going. And there's still more uh, left. And so we've received grace for justification. Now we can walk in it. And that's what you and I want to declare or proclaim in ministry is that the Amen. riches as of God's a, grace. As a new believer, justified on my way to heaven, I wanted to work out uh, and do good things for God. So I attempted for three or four years doing that, uh, not knowing that my strength and my sufficiency was empty and dead and, and bankrupt. And then all of a sudden, I heard uh, the message of God's grace that causes growth. And then I realized, you know, we were saved by faith in, through his grace. And then I realized we're saved by faith, walking in his grace as a continuous action. And that's where growth really happened. And that's where, that's so critical to learn that uh, it's all about God's grace upon our life in, in all the aspects, in the manifold, in the exceedingly abundant in the unsearchable uh, aspects of God's grace. And he's going to be teaching us throughout eternity. And that just changed my life. It, it, it allowed fruit to be born. It allowed, uh, you know, this uh, happen. And then, of course, as I learned that, and you learned that, Jeff, we were so excited about God's grace. All I could think about was God's grace, God's love, you know, God, God's amazing grace that he loved us, even when we were sinners, saved us. And then uh, he wanted to continue to bestow that grace upon us for, for abundant life now. And I was like, wow, that, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and that's what we want to share about is that abundant grace now and how you access it and, and uh, what it means and how, how his grace is everything. Yeah, Steve, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, this is a great way to start out 
to begin our podcast series uh, with with our team uh, effort here that we just want to begin by introducing grace as yes, it is for forgiveness, but it doesn't end there. It just starts there. God's grace begins the Christian life there. Amazing, beautiful forgiveness, the beginning of God's grace. And uh, just to continue, you know, on that theme of grace for forgiveness, Romans chapter five, verse one and two, remind us of that. And we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here and then we'll continue in our next episode in growing in grace. But to, to grow in grace, we got to talk about the first part of grace. Romans five, chapter one and two, or chapter five, verses one and two says, therefore we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so we stand in grace. We're saved by grace. We're born again by grace. We're given spiritual eyes and ears. Uh, and as we look up, as we pay attention, we're standing on a shoreline of the ocean of God's grace. And um, as we believe in Jesus, we're forgiven, we're cleansed. And just a few little, uh, you know, you know, waiting in the in the on the shoreline, in the initial waves of the grace of God, and there we stand in awe. Uh, it says, uh, "Into this grace in which we stand, we're just standing." And there's an ocean of grace and the unfathomable riches of God's grace. Uh, and you know, isn't the temptation to just build our Christian life, uh, just standing on the sand, building these sandcastles and trying to, uh, uh, you know, draw on our own self interest and then every now and then run down and cool off our hot feet in the, in the ocean <laughs> the cool ocean but you know we want to just dive in don't we're we? trying to say is that we have no merit it's nothing about us in no way it's involving our strength our merit our ability salvation is totally by grace and growth is totally by grace and so that that, that so that's really a hard issue for us to understand that uh uh it's not about us <laughs> we're dead and then we were when we got born again, we became yeah. a new creation in Christ. All things have became new and old things had passed away. The old life, the old, all the merits that we have, all our strength, all our abilities, all our ingenuities, all our intelligence, all that is, is, is over because now it's God's grace. And that's, that's the dividing line. I think that's, that's the important part. And even today, even though I've embraced the grace of God, there's something inside me still thinks that I have something that I can offer. And it's, it's a constant battle that we have every day to and to take up our cross and allow Christ to live through us and allow his grace, his abundant grace, his overflowing grace to, to actively transform us and to affect others. 
Well, it is. It's it. You know, that's what reminds me of the analogy of the if grace is like an ocean, and we start our life out on the sand of the beach, and you know we are introduced to the ocean by getting our feet wet and justified by God's grace. I tend to begin. Uh, I stay on the sand and I walk between the flesh and the spirit. And, you know, the, I walk in the flesh and I get burnt and I get convicted and I run to the water and th- say, thank you for forgiveness. And there's praise God, grace is there, but I get just enough to get revived. And then I go on in the flesh and what a foolish bankrupt way to live. I mean, that's not the scriptural way to live the Christian life. An ocean of grace, we found forgiveness, but we're to just dive in and to grow in that grace and just stay there and not uh, have to resort to or get, you know, walking in the flesh. And I think it is a battle, the flesh versus the spirit. Romans 7 and 8 are, are clear on that. So, well, thank you, Steve, for uh, this um, this introduction to grace. And we've got a lot, lot more to talk about, uh, but we're going to wrap it up there. And uh, and then we're going to jump into the next episode on growing in grace uh, with uh, Jeff and uh, Steve Greenberg. God bless you, my, oh, my friend. So excited Any closing thoughts? And I, I pray, Lord, that uh, it would just bless everyone that hears it in Jesus name. Amen.